So success is basically creating and growing happiness, joy, and fulfillment in every aspect of your life. Typically, there's four areas of where people find success, fulfillment, and happiness. Sorry, not success, fulfillment, happiness. One is their work. So whether it's corporate work, entrepreneur work, or even volunteer work. Number two is the people in their lives. So parents, family, friends, children. Uh, number three, it's their extracurricular pursuits, so passion, passion pursuits, hobbies, things like that. And then number four would be uh, spiritual, meditation, reflection, religion, that type of thing, that internal thing that you have within yourself. To be successful is to build joy and fulfillment in those areas. So for me, that's how I define success. And I encourage people to think about that. Ultimately, are you happy in your job? Are you happy in your relationship? Are you happy with the things you do and pursue? Are you happy internally? And if you build and create that and always work towards bettering that in terms of more happiness, then you will be, you'll feel success and you'll also work towards more success. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic, and I will be your host for the next half hour or so, where we try and help you learn how to think, learn, and live better. And let me say, we have a fantastic show for you. We have a great program. Today's guest is top leadership speaker, Bobby Umar, and you're going to hear how to be a better networker how to really connect with people when you are speaking with them in conversation, and how Bobby went from engineer to corporate marketer to performance artist to one of the top leadership speakers in the world. It's a great show and a great interview, and I'm sure that you will enjoy it. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest before we get into it. His name, again, is Bobby Umar, one of the most prolific heart-based leaders in North America. Inc. Magazine, that's right, has named him one of the top 100 leadership speakers alongside such noteworthy giants as Richard Branson and John Maxwell. Bobby is a four-times TEDx speaker, one of the top influencers in the world with over, get this, a half a million, yes, 500,000 social media followers. He's been named the second best business coach to follow on Twitter and the fourth best leadership influencer, according to Cred. Bobby's an international author of three books, including a number one bestseller, also a Huffington Post contributor. He hosts a weekly tweet chat called The Power of Connection that has reached over 65 million impressions weekly. And to date, get this, his social media influence has garnered over 1 billion, that's right, billion with a B, impressions. Bobby was also named a 2015 speaker to watch by the Global Speakers Agency and most recently named a top seven networking guru to follow. Now, before we get into the interview, let me just mention a couple of things. First of all, our show sponsor, Bluehost.com, the top web solutions services provider. Since 2003, when they were founded, Bluehost has continually innovated on ways to deliver their mission, which is to empower people like you and me 
to fully harness the power of the interwebs. They provide comprehensive tools to millions of users throughout the world so anyone, novice or pro, can get on the web and thrive. So if you have a website or if you are looking to host a podcast or a blog, please check out bluehost.com. You can get $3.95 a month web hosting by going to mindforlife.org, scrolling to the bottom of the homepage and clicking on the banner link there. Also, the show notes for this program, along with my top learning moments, which if you stick around to the end of the program, you will hear as well, will be at mindforlife.org slash 043. So click on over there, get all the links for what we talk about on this program, including all of the places where you can connect with Bobby and find out more about what he's doing. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, you can now help support it financially, even as little as $1 a month goes a long way to help cover the costs of producing this program. So if you would be kind enough to do that, head over to mindforlife.org, click on the become a patron link right there at the top of the homepage. All right, that's enough. Let's get right into my interview with top networking expert, Bobby Umar. Well, it's great, great, great to have you on the program, man. I appreciate you coming on. And I'm really interested. Uh, you talk about connecting, right? You talk about relationships with people and stuff like that. So do me a favor, if you would, just to kind of give us a little bit of base, a little bit of ground. Just kind of share with us a little bit of your background, kind of where you grew up. I'm interested uh, because you talk about diversity, you talk about connecting with people, uh, you talk about caring, and just share a little bit about how maybe you grew up or, you know, how did you develop that maybe? A little bit of background on that. Sure. I mean, I grew up in New Brunswick on the east coast of Canada, a very small town, a lot of friendly folk. Um, and so for the most part, you know, a very, and all that, that, so very, very calm, friendly folk in the culture where I grew up, but also in my own family culture, we're very, very close and tight in terms of a, it's a large family, um, a lot of cousins, a lot of, you know, sleepovers and parties and dinner parties. And so I was, I was a part of a very uh, large but tight-knit community. So I think those two things were huge parts of helping me in the early days. And then I think later on when I started uh, going to university and, and, and starting to work, I realized that I was a natural networker. I was a natural connector. I was very good at connecting with people. And pretty soon it became um, a major way in which I was able to achieve things. So when I would achieve, like I ran a theater company and I grew that thing. but And the way I did it was just having relationships, having conversations. I was good in person, I was good on the phone, I was good on stage. And so all those different things kind of allowed me to create opportunities with the different things that I was doing. And then I think uh, in terms of the career thing, uh, I explored quite a few different things. You know, I, I was an engineer, then I was a brand marketer, I did teaching, I did performing, and I was feeling kind of lost and feeling kind of stuck and didn't know what I wanted to do. So finally, uh, I decided to dive into my personal brand. And one of the things that came up uh, from that that experience was, you know, Bobby loves people. Bobby's a connector. Bobby loves to nurture. Bobby loves to perform, present, and it all kind of started to fit into the whole idea that you know what, speaking, uh, which is my main thing I do. I do coaching as well, but speaking was the main thing that I should be doing. And um, the good news is, I never looked back. I mean, before that, I'd never spent any more than four years in any sort of career path, and here now I've been. It's been doing eleven years, and oh, wow. I love it. so. So, yeah, the, the connection thing has always been there. I was only really 
it's funny. I was only really focusing on the the networking piece uh, after my MBA, and I realized, okay, I, you know, I'm a good networker. Let me let me leverage this. But once I started speaking, I realized, you know what? That is something I'm really good at. And when I got my first TEDx talk, I was like, you know what? Yeah, connection. That's what I'm good at. And so now it's been. And it's funny because over the years, you know, you you adjust, evolve your your why, your purpose, your mission, and vision, and brand, whatever. But a connection has always been there, and it always will be. Let me ask you this. I'm going to kind of turn a different direction. You're a natural communicator. You seem to get along with people extremely well. It comes naturally to you, right? So is the rest of your brothers and sisters like that? Is that Would you say that your family is like that, your mom or your dad? How did you learn that? Uh, is that extrovert personality maybe genetic, or did you have to learn some things? I would say that's a great question. And I would say that a lot of it is my family. So if you look at my mom and dad, so my mom and dad are the social, they're both extroverted and they're both the social centers of their community. So when we would have dinner parties, right. And, you know, I go upstairs and watch my parents. My dad was the center of the conversation, right? Like he was definitely a big part of it. And then when it came to my mom, she was the type of person that she would nurture people and help them give them advice she would be on on the phone for the whole morning talking to all her friends, giving them advice and stuff. That's the type of woman she was uh-huh. and she is. And, and so that, that I definitely see. And the other thing I'll, I'll tell you is that, you know, our family, it's a, I call it the, 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 the team Omer siblings, right? You know, we were always talking to each other on WhatsApp and stuff. It's fun. Right. But we're, we have a brand uh, for being too nice, um, which, which sometimes gets away. We get a bit too, we get a, manipulated a little bit. Yeah. We're too, and so we have a brand culture of being too nice. And uh, it's something that we joke about, but we're aware of mm-hmm. uh, within our extended family. And yeah, so it's there now. Um, and of, of the siblings, three of us are quite extroverted. And the other one is just somewhere in the middle. Really? That's interesting. I wonder why. Yeah. You know, those are the fascinating things. Why is one person different? Why do three of you kind of take on some of the traits and things like that? Well, part of it's genetic. I mean, I think, yeah. I think some people like, you know, my son he's definitely introverted and yeah. part of it's genetic and that's fine. I, I recognize that, you know, you don't want to push him out of his, out of his zone. Whereas my daughter is a super extrovert like me. So, um, you know, and we also take on a lot of traits for our parents. You know, my wife is introverted. So I think my son grabs onto that and sees that. And so, you know, they, they model after us. So we see our parents and I'm modeling myself after my parents too. I can see how my mom's a social you know, influencer. And so I am as well. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think we take those cues as, as kids growing up. Uh, what do you, if you look inside at yourself, if you've self-reflected uh, about what it is that makes you good at connecting with people, what are maybe some of the top, I don't know if you want to call them skills or traits or qualities, things that you maybe have looked inward and said, uh, if I'm start, if I'm trying to piece together a recipe for a good connector, what are the qualities in yourself that you think are, have been uh, the biggest the biggest factors in that? Great question, and it's actually precisely what my first TEDx talk was about because I'd asked that question. And uh, number number one is based on Brenny Brown's research on vulnerability, which is I typically am very open about talking about my vulnerability and my struggles in conversation with somebody. Right. So I will, within even 10 minutes, say, yeah, they'll say, how's your day going? You know what? I had a really, really crappy morning. Uh, here's why. Or I'm struggling with my weight. Or I had an argument with my wife. Or And I'm totally willing to talk about that stuff. And when you do that and you share that vulnerability, right away you create an environment where they're willing to share their vulnerability too. 
So that's one thing I definitely do. And uh, that was anecdotal to me. But when I saw Brandy Brown's research, I was like, wow, this is great. This is validating exactly what I'm doing. So that's the first thing. The second thing I, I do actually is I'm really big on creating an environment of trust and investment. I make sure the people that I'm with, they're the most important person in the room. I, and, and I create that environment and I even you know qualify statements and I qualify what I'm doing and why are we here and things like that. And those things can really create an environment where, uh, you know, I, I often brag about the fact that, and my wife always like, how do you get somebody uh, to, you know, tell you all about their intimate life in 30 minutes? And mm-hmm. that's precisely what I do. And I think the third thing I'll do is I'm really big on uh, the art of questioning. I, I'm, I'm very proactive. I'm, I, I dive deep. I ask the tough questions. I'm willing to do so and, and really, you know, create a yes and where they, okay, tell me more. And when I do that, you know, you can really have some incredible deep conversations. And so because I do all three of those things, I think that's really what I'm doing to create that uh, powerful connection with people. Do you think, though, um, all three of those maybe would be skills, uh, creating an environment of trust, uh, learning how to ask good questions, and maybe having a an open personality or p- personality of transparency. Do you think, though, that, like I could see definitely be, being able to learn how to question does does being transparent come naturally to you? Is that just something that you've always done? Hmm. Um, I will say it's not what I have always had. So there was a point in my life in university. So before, when I was in high school, I was uh, I was certainly very extroverted and very engaging and social, but I was a bit of a joker. Like you know, I joke a lot and you know whatever. And then I met. I met a couple of friends, and in particular, I met uh, my one of my best friends at university, and she was, she really got me to be in touch with my emotions okay. and how I'm feeling, and be more self-aware about my emotions, what I'm feeling, and, and things like that. And that really was a game changer. Uh, being in college, university, and with with her and, and some of my closest friends in my life, um, really got me aware of that. And now that whole emotional intelligence and that self-awareness of, you know, how my managing my emotions, dealing with understanding what I'm feeling and understanding that everyone else is feeling in different ways and trying to help those people. Uh, that was a huge game changer for me. In your TED talk, you talk about caring and uh, I was watching through it. And by the way, I uh, recommend to everybody to listen. You got, you said you got four. I listened to two. Of, I only saw two of them. The one on learning to fly and the one on the three uh, C's of connecting You've got yeah, four? there's only two available online. Okay. In the one on connecting, you talk about caring and you, you talk about there's a there's a point where you show a picture of a child in Africa and you say, when I was young, I didn't care about that. You know, I, I really kind of like was maybe, you know, immunized or whatever by seeing a lot of that on TV. And, you know, so how did you begin to develop that? I mean, how did you start to develop the a care and concern for other people? Was there something that happened in your life? Did you recognize something about yourself? Maybe it had to do with the emotional intelligence aspect as well as you talked about. But a lot of people, I think, usually care about, we care about our people. <laughs> you know, we care about people like us or the people that are around us. And we usually distance ourselves from the other you know, we don't want to think about them as subjects. We think more of them objectively. So, so how did that develop in you? And what do you think people can do to really cultivate that in their own life? 
Yeah, I think uh, part of the challenge when you're young and growing up, and, and maybe it, it, me growing up as a young person, you know, we're very self-absorbed about our lives and being cool and, you know, getting opportunities to go somewhere and do stuff. And so, and so in your teens, your 20s, you're, you're more self-absorbed. Now, uh, in today's social media world, we have access to a lot of information, a lot of things going on there. But there's also some people who are being more narcissistic. So there's good and bad with that as well. But so I think for me, I, I didn't have that. And then once I got out in the world and I saw what was going on, I started to learn a bit more about, like, I remember in, in college, you know, I got, I saw my, all my first, like, rallies, you know, different, you know, different types of rallies for different political and social issues that I really didn't know much about. So that, and then the, the other big change for me was being a parent. I think that as soon as I became a dad and I saw this child and I saw that this, this young thing completely relied on me for everything and how I wanted to not only nurture them and help them grow, but I wanted to protect them from this world and help them integrate best, like all these different things, like this, just a flood of emotions, you know, made me think about that. And I became just more, uh, more political about, you know, children's issues and things like that. And, and that, that became uh, something as well. And then I think the other thing really was just life experience, you know, being fired from a job and struggling to be an entrepreneur and, and, you know, dealing with parents who, you know, didn't approve of my choices for a career or my, or my wife or whatever, like all those different things. Um, taught me, I remember seeing a counselor, uh, this guy, he had seen this counselor, and one of the things he told me, which was fascinating, he said, you're not responsible for how your parents feel. And that blew my mind. I was probably like 28, whatever, but it blew my mind because I was like, no, no, but that's how everybody feels. We always feel responsible for our parents. How can I not be responsible for my parents' feelings? And, uh, but that taught me a lot, not only about emotional intelligence, but also about empathy and that, that journey towards emotional intelligence, and empathy about under, you can, you can empathize with how people feel, but you don't necessarily have to be responsible for how they feel. And that, that dis, distinction was a really cool tool for me to help figure out what I want to do. And now when I choose my path or I choose my wife or I choose how I want to live my life and whether it's my parents or colleagues or whatever that disagree with what I'm doing. Um, I can, I can disconnect those things and I can say, you know, I, I understand how you're feeling, but here's why it makes me happy. Here's how it makes me feel successful. And because of that, uh, it doesn't bother me that much anymore. And even now on social media, social media has been a huge training ground for my empathy skills because, because I post a lot of stuff and because I also make sure things that people don't agree with, I get a lot of haters on, on, especially on Twitter. And so that's taught me to, exercise my empathy muscle you know you have your heart the muscle so you have to exercise it all the time and so social media has definitely uh forced that and has, has made me a better more empathetic leader yeah it's uh it's a good trait to be aware in a, when you talk about like um the emotional intelligence side of it not only being aware of your emotions but trying to take a perspective from another person right when when you have the haters uh, it does give you a little bit of um, maybe you could say more compassion or opens up the room maybe to be able to be more compassionate to people who may not necessarily agree. Do you feel like in the early part, your career choices were guided by your desire to please your parents other in other words or did you feel or or more maybe to say, I feel responsible for how they feel towards me, so I feel like I'm pressured to go in this direction? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody follows a path of success defined by the people for the most part. It starts off with their parents, their friends, 
corporations, society, they tell you to get a you know a wife and a 2.1 kids and a white picket fence house and a job with two cars. I mean, that's what everyone tells you. So we all do that. And I definitely, you know, my parents suggested going into, uh, you know, becoming a doctor, lawyer, engineer, that type of thing and uh, following that path. So I definitely follow that path. I, uh, you know, I was good at math and physics. Let me do engineering. Dad's like, yeah, engineering is really great. I originally want to do just physics. He's like, no, no, physics is no good. Do engineering. Oh, okay. So then I did. And so part of it was definitely pleasing them. And, uh, and then when I started working in corporate, it was to please my boss, to please, you know, the corporate, to make sure that I did what, the, what I was told. And both those things in the long run weren't going to make me happy. What was going to make me happy is to define my own success, to define my own path, to own it and be authentic to what I truly value and what I, what I really care about in terms of my lifelong legacy and story. And by diving into my personal brand, I really understand that, stood that a little bit better. So let's go back to that point where you first have a realization that you knew I needed to change. Uh, what, what was that like? What happened? Was there something that took place in your life that you go, that the light bulb went off and you said, okay, I cannot do this anymore. I need to go in this direction. What, what, what took place then? Well, there's, there was two things. I mean, one was a combination of things. So it was basically, um, so that, 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 speaker mentor I had, he told me for, he's a friend of mine, he told me for years, said, Bobby, you should become a professional speaker because you can connect emotionally and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 I'm trying to become, uh, you know, a big corporate guy. And I said, so I said no. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I was doing an offsite on a, at a corporate retreat, which I volunteered for because I've been doing these things for years as a youth camp counselor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me, and I ran a couple of events and I'm like, Bobby, that was really amazing. I'm like, I love how you took that and you related it back to business and you used a couple of models. That was kind of cool. Have you ever thought about doing that for, for a living? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I'm trying to, you know, rise up and I'm trying to impress you. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know. So I said no. And then and then finally when I was working 80 hours a week in the corporate world and we're trying to start a family and I was like – and then this is where the second piece was. I got sick. I, I, I got became diabetic and I needed some time off. And I went to my company and said, look, uh, I need to take my hours down. something normal. I need to take a couple weeks off to get my blood sugar under control. And then three weeks later, they gave me a package. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't want to deal with this? They, they, don't, they were not happy with having someone who wasn't going to do 80 hours a week. Right. So they gave me a package. And that was like huge. Like, what? And, and and that combined with my discussion with my four best friends. I called them the Council of Umar. And I said, and I said guys, here's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I don't want to go back to uh, the corporate world. Like, they treat me like crap. And then they said, have you ever thought about being a speaker and I was like you know what <laughs> I have <laughs> like ping okay yeah uh, and so that that was the big and that all happened uh, in a course of like you know uh, I mean the first the bad that the job and the health thing was all within the course of six months uh, but yeah I definitely at that point I was like okay you know what yeah I'm ready for this let me let me do this you can almost say there was this kind of a crisis right circumstances kind of seem to Align. There'd been there'd been this foundation being laid by your mentor, right? You, he'd been telling you these things. You'd found success, but you were in this other direction. And all of a sudden, there's this crisis event or this event that takes place. Uh, it's almost like a hero's journey. You know what I mean? You're working yeah, along totally your thing, right? I was definitely when you said that. And the other thing that happened too was my wife got almost died of E. coli. Oh my! A month, two months after I left the corporate, and so we're like, okay, you know what? And I and I took care of her for three months. She was in ICU for a week, and I was like, wow. "Holy cow! I need to reset my priorities." Yeah, what's into us? We're trying to start a family. We're trying to get somewhere. 
what is going on? And so that, that all happened in, in 2006. That is pretty cool, man. I mean, it's, you know, I've talked with uh, several people on this pod, on the podcast that have had similar circumstances to you. They're going in one direction, going down one path, and all of a sudden something comes, a lightning bolt or something hits out of nowhere, and there's like this uh, moment of self-reflection and then what am I doing here? And uh, what what am I planning on doing? And am I going down? Uh, am I chasing the carrot that I want to be chasing? In other words, right. Um, what uh, what would you say? One of the questions I I like to ask our guests on the podcast is, how do you define success? And yeah, I know you talked about that in one of your TED talks, making sure that you have your own definition for what success is. So for you personally, how, how do you define that? Uh, love that question, and I do have a definition of success. So success is basically creating, well, as creating and growing happiness, joy, and fulfillment in every aspect of your life. So, for example, and, and typically there's four areas of people where people find success, fulfillment, and happiness. Sorry, not success, fulfillment, happiness. One is their work. So whether it's corporate work, entrepreneur work, or even volunteer work. Number two is the people in their lives. So parents, family, friends, children. Uh, number three. It's their extracurricular pursuits, the passion, passion pursuits, hobbies, things like that. And then number four would be uh, spiritual, meditation, reflection, religion, that type of thing, that internal thing that you have within yourself. And so often what happens, people will be like, yeah, you know what? I really hate my job, but thank goodness for my wife and kids. And that's, that's their life. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to change the job. Or, you know what? Uh, I really have trouble at home, but I thank goodness for my work. Or worse, I can't stand my wife and kids and can't stand my job, but thank goodness for hot yoga. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, no, you know, you should actually work towards building fulfillment, joy and happiness in all four areas of your life. Don't settle and create a narrative for yourself that gives you a status quo to be successful is to build joy and fulfillment in those areas. So as a dad, I'm successful because I feel a lot of joy and fulfillment as an entrepreneur, as a speaker. I feel that joy and fulfillment. I need to work on probably my health to be more fulfilled and, and joyful in that area. I need to, you know, probably work a little bit more on my spiritual meditation piece, more fulfilled. But, you know, generally speaking, I feel successful in the areas that create the most habits within me. And so for me, that's how I define success. And I encourage people to think about that. Your success will be, it's not going to be about money. You know, money can be something that helps. So can, you know, perks, so can people, so whatever. But ultimately, are you happy in your job, are you happy in your relationship? Are you happy with the things you do and pursue? Are you happy internally? And if you build and create that and always work towards bettering that in terms of more happiness, then you will be you'll feel success and you'll also work towards more success. I really like that definition. Finding joy, success, or excuse me, finding joy, fulfillment, and happiness in those different spheres, I guess you could say, of our lives. That, that's, that resonates really well with me. Um, do me a favor. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're busy and stuff like that, and I've appreciated uh, your time this morning. It's been great to talk with you. A couple of things. What are some quick tips that you would give to people to be better communicators? Uh, for, say, the introverts, the people that are introverted or maybe are not as outgoing, what are some quick things or some you know practices or skills that they can learn and develop to be better conversationalists? Okay, so one of the things about introverts they need to learn is that um, they have superpowers. They have skill sets that are really, really good. So one of the things that uh, introverts are good at, number one, they're good at organization and planning. That's one. Number two, they're good at actually listening. And number three, they're good at thoughtful introspection and things like that. So 
what, what does that mean for conversations? Number one, plan around the things you want to talk about. So one of the things I do when I tell people about networking is, you know, if you want to be a networker and, and, and be an introvert, you know, you just plan. What are your what are the, your ten most thoughtful questions? Do your research, ask around, but put together the ten most thoughtful questions that you can think of and memorize them, and then use them in conversations. That's the first thing. The second thing is coming up with questions that are really probing, like a yes and type thing, and then just listen, right? And just listen to people, listen to what they're saying. Use active listening as a skill to then have a follow-up question to something that they just said. You know, you just mentioned that you like to swim. Where do you like to swim? And then start a- asking those questions. And the other thing that's really important for people who communicate like introverts, particularly network events, is introversion means you have to recharge your batteries, right? So prepping your mindset and prepping before an event is really, really important when you're about to enter a conversation, whether it's one-on-one or even one-on-many. But also if you're at an event and you need a break, go take a break and recharge your batteries. Go for a walk. Go, go get some silence for a little bit, recharge the batteries. When you do those things, you'll actually be a much better networker and a much better communicator. And uh, yeah, I think that preparation, that organization, that listening, they use those superpowers that you have to be a much better conversationalist. Nice. A lot of practical wisdom there. And I appreciate that. Uh, what are you passionate about right now? What do you got going on? Uh, and, you know, maybe kind of share with our audience where they can maybe connect with you online and some of the different things that you've got going on there. Sure. Um, so some of the things I'm working on right now, it's funny, I just actually did a video today on LinkedIn about what I'm working on, but that's cool. Perfect. <laughs> so, so what I'm working on uh, is one, I'm actually doing a little more LinkedIn engagement. I'm actually posting a daily video on LinkedIn, which I also post to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever, but it's on LinkedIn and I'm engaging there and I'm commenting more. And so that's something that's really interesting. Um, uh, as a speaker, professional speaker, I'm always seeking speaking opportunities. So, you know, booking the calendar, I have an agent as well, but I'm booking those. I'm, I'm talking to someone in Africa and I'm talking, you know, one of the things I'm trying to get, I'm actually trying to get more work in the U.S. because I've spoken all around the world. I've spoken in Europe, Middle East, Asia, all across Canada, but actually not in the U.S. because it's hard to get in the U.S. So I'm working on that to get more speaking gigs. I launched a new program called Speaker Mastermind Group. It's basically a coaching program for anyone who wants to speak better and become more world-class as a speaker. You want to get more speaking opportunities. Maybe they're an entrepreneur or maybe they're a vice president of a bank and they want to speak more. And number three, they want to start getting paid for speaking. So how do they position themselves? How do they price? How do they put together the branding? So I'm launching that. It's a group of 10 people. I launched a beta uh, beta in the fall. I'm doing it again. So that's coming up. And then the other big thing I'm working on is uh, DYPB, which is Discover Your Personal Brand. So Discover Your Personal Brand is the largest North American conference dedicated to personal branding. But we are now not just doing the conference. We're actually doing stuff year-round. So we're doing uh, events and webinars and content because everyone out there feels lost, stuck, or unfulfilled in their careers or their business. And so our content and our workshops and everything we're doing is meant to help people find more authenticity around and alignment around what they want to do with their lives, but also more impact with what they're trying to do and find a point of differentiation. So those are things that I'm working on. People can find me just about everywhere, but typically I'm best found on LinkedIn, Twitter, and my website, uh, rayallen.com. And just don't spew the hate, right, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, don't spew the, you know, like lead with empathy and love, you know, and, and even when people, and here's the thing, like there's, there's a lot of hate out there, even on other platforms, too. I actually have been dealing with some trolls on LinkedIn lately. And, you know, the thing is, you lead with empathy and love, but ultimately, we're going to get way better with this bitter divide by trying to bridge understanding 
right. versus creating more divide. So if you want to solve the problems of the day, it's going to come from trying to understand one another, not by trying to create more bitter divide. So I'm really, and it doesn't get anywhere. It just creates more divide. So create, start bridging, you know, building bridges of understanding, listen to people, even if you disagree. And then if you're going to disagree or call it something, call it the action. Don't attack the person. Good, good stuff, man. Bobby, thank you so much. Been really great to talk to you. My pleasure, Jeff. It's been great. Thanks so much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that discussion that I had with Bobby as much as I did in speaking with him. Let me give you my top learning moments. First of all, I really enjoyed Bobby's definition of success, finding joy, fulfillment, and happiness in the different spheres of your life. And he talked about the area of the people that you are with, the area of your job, career, and vocation, uh, your hobbies and extracurricular activities, and the spiritual area as well. To find joy, fulfillment, and happiness in each of those spheres of life is really a great definition of success. We always pursue these dreams of success in life without actually knowing exactly what we're going for. So this definition really brings some clarity and helps us to understand better what we might think about when it comes to success in life. The second thing is a good tip for people who have difficulty with conversing, maybe that are a little bit more introverted, and that is this. Think of the 10 most introspective and interesting questions that you can come up with and memorize them. Then you simply ask one of those questions to someone, listen to what they say, and ask them questions about their responses. Remember, people usually really love to talk about themselves. So if you can find a way to facilitate that by asking great questions, they will in turn think that you are a great conversationalist. So here's a quote for you. The person who controls the conversation is not necessarily the person who talks the most, but the person who asks the best questions. So a great tip, if you have difficulty with conversation, come up with 10 introspective and interesting open-ended questions that you can in turn memorize and use when you are in awkward conversation spots. A great tip. Well, that's all for today. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed putting it together for you. Again, again, the show notes and links are at mindforlife.org slash 043. Check out all of the articles that I have. And while you're there, leave comments about this episode. If you would, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, if you get a chance, please leave a review on how we can do better. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you next time. 